Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. Good morning, you are listening to Radio Maria and this is Father Toby with the friar side on the uh, the Monday after the uh, the great solemnity of uh, Corpus Christi. Um, and I hope wherever you were, you were celebrating that, um, that, uh, that it was done with, with beauty and reverence and that you were able to, to give great thanks for the, the gift of the divine life. Um, that we receive in this great feast um it sort of fits into uh into the into the the, the pattern of of a feast that we've celebrated since we came to the end of of eastertide um going to reflect a little more on that on the word for today at uh, one fifteen. but uh but this idea that um you know we celebrated at easter the the death and the resurrection of christ then we celebrate his ascension, his going to sit at the right hand of the Father, then at Pentecost, his sending of the of the Holy of the Holy Spirit in a in a in a new and and fuller way to to animate the church, um, and making possible the the, the sort of the reception of that that sanct- sanctification, um, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we receive in baptism whereby we become members of the the body of Christ members of the of the church and the there is the indwelling of the trinity with with within us and when we celebrate the great solemnity of the the trinity we we celebrate God's self revelation to us we celebrate the way that God has shown us the the intimacy of the divine relations that is perfect relations of knowledge and love um, and we celebrate not only that that self-revelation that we can come to know something of who God is but we celebrate also the way that God invites us to participate in that divine life um, and then just as we know that that man cannot um, cannot live what we were told by Jesus man cannot live um, on bread, bread alone, but by every word which comes from the mouth of God. But just as man cannot live on bread alone, man cannot live without bread. Um, and so we can think that just as we require, you know, earthly food, natural, natural food to sustain our natural life, um, we ask the question: well, What food then will sustain the supernatural life that we've been given at baptism? 
and that supernatural food, that bread of the angels, well, this is the, the Eucharist. This is the, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ that is offered us at each and every Mass. And what I want to do today is to, uh, to take you through uh, a, a stunning um, reflection on the, the Eucharist given by Francois Mauriac. I remember I first came across his name when I, I read a portion of this reflection in that um, excellent magazine, uh, Magnificat, a real helpful aid to, to, to prayer. Um, and so I want to, I want to share you, with you that, that reflection and, and also invite you um, to, to call in um, with any reflections that, that you have on, on what we discuss or even if you just want to want to tell us about a, a particularly beautiful um, uh, sort of Corpus Christi procession that you um, attended uh, here, we at the at the Rosary Shrine we had um, Father Jim Blount, um, member of Salt, and he came and he was uh, he was speaking um, to us uh, was a whole a whole number of themes, but especially. Um, spiritual fatherhood and and divine adoption, and we had over a thousand people in the in the church at one point, which was which was quite quite something. Um, it's been a well, I'm not sure I'd ever seen the the church um, that that full. Um, and it was a a, a a beautiful weekend in our uh, in the lives of all the all the priests. Here. Tiring weekend, but a beautiful weekend. Um, but as part of that, we had a after our, our solemn mass at 12 o'clock, we had a, a Corpus Christi procession with the Blessed Sacrament um, underneath the Ombrellino, um, led by torchbearers, and then a thoroughfare with the, the, with the incense, um, and the Blessed Sacrament, and, and all the people following. And it was, it was sort of so, such a big procession that not everybody could fit inside the, the, the snake. It reminded uh, me of the the sort of the old uh, game of snake on Nokia where the, the snake grows so long that it eats its own tail and there's a beautiful sort of imagery of the the body of Christ sort of merging into one by by following um, the the body of Christ under the appearance of bread um, and that uh, that theme of uh, of one body is something which is in the uh, the epistle that we have uh, on the great feast of, of Corpus Christi. Um, but also it makes divisions in the church so much more scandalous. And so we're going to, to begin, we're going to read uh, from uh, the epistle that we get on, uh, on, Holy, on Holy Thursday when we celebrate the institution of the, of the Eucharist, which is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, and Paul, having sort of just uh, spoken about certain sort of practices at uh, at, at mass, um, then proceeds to sort of rebuke the community on Corinth on certain elements. So this begins at verse seventeen. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you assemble as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it, 
For there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you meet together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together to be condemned. About the other things I will give directions when I come. Oh. So those are sort of you know, beautiful and and chastening uh, words of uh, of St. Paul. And um, I think they, they get at, at something of um, the, the sort of the, the simultaneous sort of awe and, and, and fear and, 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 and delight that, that maybe we should have as we uh, approach the, the Blessed Sacrament. I, but more and more now I get struck by um, St. Peter's reaction on uh, his sort of recognition of who Jesus is at the uh, on the shore of, of Galilee when he when he falls to the ground and he says sort of get a, get away from me Lord for for I am a sinful man and um, the fact that you know he recognizes his profound unworthiness uh, but that Jesus you know invites him invites him close none nonetheless and I think that that sense of sort of unworthiness and and all that we ought to have is 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 given to us by the by the church to say in in those in those words just before we do come forward for communion lord i'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof but only say the word and my soul shall be healed we're going to 
listen to uh, a little bit of music now and then I shall uh, take you into into Francois Mauriac's uh, beautiful reflections on those words. We're going to listen to uh, a beautiful setting of uh, Lingua, um, written uh, a hymn written by St. Thomas Aquinas for the Feast of Corpus Christi and sung by Harper Day. Sanguinisque preziosi, quemin mundi preziun, fructus ventris generosi, rexe furit Thank you. 
are listening to Radio Maria and the Friarside, and this is Father Toby, um, and we're reflecting today on the uh, the great feast of Corpus Christi. And having just read from First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, we're now about to go through together a, a reflection on this uh, epistle um, from uh, Francois Moriac, and this is contained in his book uh, Holy Thursday. An intimate remembrance. Francois Moriac, I'd recommend everything uh, that he's written. Um, Nobel Prize winner for, for literature and uh, one of a sort of generation of some really fantastic French uh, spiritual writers. The 11th chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, which is read at Mass on Holy Thursday, testifies that the very day after Christ's death, his disciples believed what we believe and did what we are doing when, 19 centuries later, we bow our heads at the moment of consecration or when we approach the holy altar. And even just in that first uh, paragraph, um, to any of our sort of um, Protestant brothers and sisters who are, who are listening or or people of sort of other other religious denominations, if if your particular denomination doesn't believe in the in the real in the real presence, um, then th th then I'd invite you to, to to consider this as a as a as an invitation to 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 sort of to look at the at the Catholic Church's sort of teaching to be the the claim to the the Church founded by Jesus Christ and. And enter with this apostolic succession, and those twin fonts of revelation of, of sacred scripture and the and the tradition as handed down to us by the uh, apostles and through their successors, to look at this consistent belief in what the in what the Eucharist is to to recognise that, that that for the first um basically really sort of you know 16 centuries of christian of christian belief there were a couple of eucharistic controver controversies um and i think the first one in about the, the ninth century but really up until the time of the the reformation that the teaching on what the on what the eucharist is 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 not a it's not a matter of, of debate and so if you if you stand outside of that that consistent sort of teaching of the church and that consistent understanding and if you if you read the the, the Didache or the letters of uh, St. Irenaeus um, you'll see you know very clearly this this understanding of of what it is that St. Paul is is writing about um, you'll see that that understanding exactly the same as the Catholic Church proclaims today. So that's a that's an invitation if you're outside of that understanding to to have another look again. Um, then Moriac uh, goes on about how serious disorders were prevalent in the church at Corinth that Paul was writing to, and he says the mysteries were no longer celebrated there with the required purity. Um, St. Paul recalls incidentally to the faithful in this church what they already know. For I myself have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, 
and as we had the the, re- the rest of that when I read the epistle before that piece of music. And so as he says, there follows the account of the Last Supper given at the beginning of this book, and then St. Paul adds, For as often as you shall eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. And Moriak says, Such is the sacrifice that we still celebrate. The Council of Trent taught that the same Christ who offered himself on the cross offers himself up now through the ministry of the priests. This flesh and this blood, delivered for us in the elements of bread and wine, are being offered up to the Father as a bloodless holocaust. Nothing has changed since the dawn of Christianity, except the order of the prayers which precede and follow the consecration and communion. At the noon masses in large parishes, the gentleman who stands near the door of the church in the midst of an indifferent crowd and who are waiting for the priest to finish may not remember that what is being enacted there on the altar is exactly what was consummated in a definite moment of human history at a place called Calvary. And sometimes... uh, just to reflect on what Moriak is saying there, sometimes it, it's misunderstood by our, our, our Protestant brothers and, and, and sisters and those from other Reformed traditions that somehow we're, 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 we think that we're re-sacrificing um, Christ um, as if somehow the, the one sacrifice of Christ was, was not enough. But rather, the, the church's understanding has always been that flowing out of the Jewish understanding of a, of a memorial, that a memorial is more than a, than a simple remembrance, um, but rather it's a, it's a memory which makes present. Um, and we can think about that. Sometimes, sometimes we have a, an incredibly sort of vivid memory and we say it was of somebody and we say it was almost as if she was there with me in the in the in the room or it was almost like as as if I, it was actually happening all all over all over again and think of a, of a of a sort of a perfect memory of 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 god in a way that actually that the memory is so perfect that it that it makes fully present and we've examined that idea of a of a perfect idea of god when we were thinking about the trinity when we when we were thinking a, a couple of weeks ago about jesus as, as god the son being god's self god the father's perfect self-knowledge uh, a knowledge so perfect that it actually has its own reality well, in the same way, when the when the church participates um, through the through the through the Holy Spirit um, in, you know, in Christ's remembrance, do this in in memory of me. In Christ's remembrance of the sacrifice at, at Calvary and the Last Supper, it actually makes present those events there, but in a in a bloodless way, as Christ now reigns in heaven, um, resurrected. And in glory. So what's going on at the Mass is not the sacrifice being repeated, but the sacrifice and its effects made present to us once more in order that we might receive 
what those first apostles, what those first disciples once received, in order that we might live out the teaching of Jesus. Because as, as we were here, when we reflect on um, yesterday's gospel um, in John, when Jesus gives his teaching on the, on the Eucharist, and, um, and he says, and, you know, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part in me. Well, how are we to do that? Unless Christ makes himself present to us once more through the Eucharist in this remembrance that actually makes present. And of course God can do that because God exists outside of time. God has come into time but exists outside, outside of it. And that's why some people speak about the, 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 the mass as, you know, where, where heaven and earth collide. Um, where sort of eternity um, breaks into uh, into temporality. So let's uh, continue with just a, for a paragraph or two more of uh, of Moriac's reflection before um, we hear some more music, and I invite you to to call him with any any reflections of your of your own. So Moriac continues, but at masses read at dawn in these same parishes or in religious communities, even an indifferent person would feel the atmosphere created by the real presence of the Lord on the altar. This atmosphere which makes the smallest chapel of our day resemble the catacombs. The perpetuity of Christianity is never better felt, said Jacques Riviere, than during these early morning masses, when a few words of prayer said aloud, are heard from time to time with long intervals of silent worship by the priest. These masses half stolen from the night. Um, what a what a lovely uh, idea! These masses half stolen from the the night. And so I would just make that that sort of reflection that sometimes it's fantastic when there's a packed church. And this weekend in our, in our parish, it was it was fantastic that there were like like a thousand a thousand people there. But I think it's also important to have those moments of uh, of quiet intimacy, and that's the the beauty of a of a of a daily of a daily mass, where there are, there are fewer people and a and a different sort of atmosphere, and, a, and an atmosphere which which helps us rejoice even more in the in the atmosphere on a on a packed Sunday. So if you've never been to a, a daily daily mass, or if you're looking for for something to take you a little bit deeper in your spiritual life then then i really strongly suggest um going to at least one extra mass a, a week to you and perhaps if you can go to a, an early morning one if there's one near you um that it'd be especially precious if you're not somebody who is a is an early morning person a bit like myself because then you're you're making a very real sacrifice to to be there for the lord the the words of the of the Please pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours, um, well, when you've sacrificed a bit of the sleep that you treasure in order to be there, um, then you can really know that uh, that you're living out those those words. Um, let's go to uh, a little bit more uh, uh, music. Now we're going to listen to uh, Adoro Te, te Devote, um, another beautiful hymn of St. Thomas Aquinas for the Feast of Corpus Christi. 
listening to Radio Maria and this is Father Toby with the Friarside and we're reflecting on the great feast of uh, Corpus Christi. Um, obviously uh, the Corpus Christi is an, an invitation to to reflect in a deeper way on that which is offered to us each and every single day of the year. And now in just this sort of closing part of uh, Francois Mauriac's words and reflecting on the epistle of uh, of St. Paul where he gives us those words of if institution. Um, I want to now give you what I think is the one of the most stunning reflections on our, on our on our feelings and on our sense of awe in the in the face of Christ in the in the Eucharist. So he starts by asking, did St. Paul believe in this inconceivable mystery of the real presence which Catholics accept as an article of faith? Here is what he taught the Corinthians on this subject. Whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. He who eats and drinks unworthily without distinguishing the body eats and drinks judgment to himself. So not only did the first Christians believe what we believe, but furthermore, they had towards the Eucharist the same attitude which is to this day that of Catholics, who alone continue to distinguish the body of the Lord. And then this is my just my favorite, favorite bit. This explains the mysterious mingling of conflicting feelings in the man who is about to receive Holy Communion. Fear and confidence open-heartedness and remorse, shame and love. The small host which the sinner approaches throws an impartial and terrible light on irretrievable deeds, on that which he has done, on that which he could not have refrained from doing. No man knows himself if he has not looked at his soul in the light of the host lifted above the ciborium. In that moment the church, sublimely inspired, puts on the lips of the priest and the faithful the words of the centurion, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. A prayer that has always been answered since the first day when Christ heard it in Capernaum. All these misdeeds 
that the communicant sees at a glance are no longer his. Someone else has taken them over, since the pardon of Christ has come down on his soul with the absolution of the priest. His misery, far from driving him into despair, helps him understand how much he has been loved. Such is the sad but precious privilege of the sinner. Love had to seek for him farther, to lift him from a lower level. To take heart again, the communicant finds comfort in the fervor he experiences, and which perhaps comes from God. If we love him, it is a sign that he loves us, for it is a gift of God to love God, and he never rewards us for anything that he has not himself given us. Thus an almost foolish confidence overcomes all our doubts, our anxieties, and overflows the memories of the defilement of our soul. The priest, assisted by the deacon, the subdeacon, and the acolytes, it is advancing toward the kneeling faithful. Happy is he who, back at his seat after communion, does not need any words, but adores and is silent. On the evening of Holy Thursday, the beloved apostle had rested his head on the breast of Christ. Since Holy Thursday, Christ has been resting in the breasts of his friends, not only once, but every morning if they are pure of heart. The faithful must refrain from giving too much importance to sensible favors received in communion. Often a person who suffers from aridity at the holy table will recognize suddenly the blessing of this presence when he least expects it, during the day when performing some task, or else at the moment of a violent temptation he may experience the inner certitude of not being alone, an impression of heavenly security, as if he actually heard the words, It is I, do not be afraid. What is almost always obtained through frequent communion is a grace which surpasses all perceptible favors, an increased light, and better still, a new strength in God. So I find that absolutely stunning um, and, in, and incredibly helpful. And as I look back in my life, I see the, the way that the, the practice of, of, of daily mass is changed my life and changed it immeasurably for the for the better something which I first started in my final couple of years at school in a, in a quite unexpected and uh, and surprising way and something which uh, which wasn't sort of worked out on the on the level of the of the intellect but rather just a, a sense that it was that it was good to good to be there and a sense that that when I wasn't there. It would have been better if I had. Um, and perhaps you might be sort of brave enough to 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 give that uh, a go your, yourselves. Um, perhaps if you're not able to to get to mass each day, you might actually prioritise the the listening um, to of a of a of a mass and participating in the in the mass um, in that way through a spiritual communion each day. But to be intentional about it to be intentional in the in the participation of the the sacrifice of our lord on calvary 
so that we might also participate in its fruits. In a pleasure speaking with you today on these uh, mysteries of the of the of the Eucharist. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.